You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Station One listeners. Welcome to another episode. Yes, folks, we are back. And it's time to make you feel really old because we're talking music today. And for those of us who are going to talk to you about this topic, it's going to be make us even feel older, earning our gray hairs that we have. And, you know, maybe even, you know, a creaky back or two because, you know what? We're talking about Duran Duran which the band is actually celebrating 40th anniversary of their first album. It's amazing to think that, you know, Simon and the boys have been around for that long. It freaked me out a couple of weeks ago on when we did the ESO board silly and we were talking about the 40th anniversary of MTV and, you know, that just feels like yesterday to me. It doesn't feel like it's that old. And then Judy had to make me even feel older. And she posted something about, you know, how many years, you know, from, you know, certain time to this time. And like from here to 1980 was, you know, 41 years. If you go from 1980, 41 years past back behind that was 1939. <laughs> and so it was just like, Oh, that's horrible. So I threw it back at her and basically said, you know, you want to feel really bad and really old. You know, we're further away now from 1990 than we are from the year 2050. And so it's, that's, you know, pretty, you know, scary alone right there. So, you know, this is getting into numbers and I think I'm looking at my co-host's face right now and I think his face is starting to get hurt and, you know, so I don't want to hurt him too much. Mr. Mike Gordon, how are you tonight, my friend? Howdy. Yeah, I, I, I don't do numbers. I don't do numbers well. It is uh, odd to think that uh, the band we're talking about is, uh, you know, 40 years old and uh yeah that's been around a long time but you know what the positive side of all that is that they're still kicking man they've got a new album this year and they're still just as quote-unquote relevant as they've ever been just because you're old doesn't mean you can't you can't still rock you know like you can't still you can't still make it happen and uh actually i'll tell you what and we'll get into the details of them but Listening to them, it it really does make me feel young again. Oh, yeah. It brings back a lot of memories. And for them, they were the first, like, real cinematic music video band. Yes. That, you know, they went all out budget-wise and such. Not when you look at stuff like Girls in Film and stuff like that. But we'll talk about that later. But they went, like, all out, like, like starting with Hungry Like the Wolf and then Rio and all those. And it it's such good memories, and it's pretty awesome. So we've talked about them briefly also on the show before when we talked about Bond themes. And, you know, they have a very iconic one. Yeah, it's difficult. We've talked about them in relation to the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We've talked about them in reference to Live Aid. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that when you're a band that's been around and recording and having releases in 40 years, um, you're going to get talked about a lot. <laughs> so exactly, they are uh, they're worthy of talking about. So finally, they uh, warranted their own episode. So 
Mm, exactly. So, you know, it's good to hear what you guys think at home. What are your thoughts on Duran Duran? You know, what's your favorite song by them? What's your favorite memory of them? You know, and we're going to talk about memories of, you know, ever seeing them in concert or stuff like that. We definitely would love to hear from you guys about that. Please write us back at feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys and hear about that. Of course, we also want to give a big shout out to our favorite people in the world, our patrons. That's right, folks. You guys help keeping the lights on here at the station. And we just, you know, want to say thank you. And for all of you who haven't joined the ESO Patreon, why not? It's a great thing. We just actually sent out ESO window stickers to our patrons who have qualified for that at, I think it's the $5 mark. You, as one of the rewards, you get a ESO network window sticker. And for those who haven't received them yet, they are in the mail. I promise you. I'm not just saying that. Um, I mailed them out uh, actually earlier today. So yes, ESO window stickers, which are really cool. And it's, I thought we thought it was a great way of saying thank you to our ESO patrons. And at different levels, you can get different kinds of rewards, including possibly taking a shot at the geek seat. Usually we have authors, writers, comedians, other podcasters. We also take regular people in the in the geek seat. And it's always great to hear what people have, you know, their passions for. Because as we like to say, geek equals passion. So pretty darn awesome. If you want to subscribe to the ESO Patreon, it's real simple. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And for as little as a dollar a month, you too can help support the ESO network. Okay, now let's give a big shout out also to our friends over to Fozy Optics. To Fozy Optics, really amazing sunglasses. Actually, right here in my hands, I have my brand new pair of Tifosi sunglasses, and they are totally cool, folks. They are orange lenses, then that they also have the special uh, sunlight blocking, um, so the light don't hurt, and I also have red frames. I think that's pretty darn awesome. Damn, and dude, you just got like 200 more percent more cooler. I am. I've always been cool, but now I can be really cool, you know. It's like I have dude sunglasses, like, you know, Lebowski. But these even make me look cooler. I actually look like almost like, I don't know, who I look like. You know, hey, I could be, you know, looking like Simon Lebon or something like that. Well, maybe not. But you too could look cool in Tifosi sunglasses. And as a way of saying thank you, you can also get 10% off your order if you put in the coupon code or station one. And you get, don't just get 10% off one pair of glasses. You get 10% off your whole order. That's pretty darn awesome when you're trying to buy a couple different pairs of glasses. Because it's not just sunglasses. They also have safety goggles. They have safety shields. They also have sports glasses. And they also have blue light uh, blocking glasses. Uh, lenses for those folks who are using computers and use, you know, watching, vi you know, playing video games or watching a lot of YouTube videos. You have the blue light blocking glasses to help and keep your eyes not so tired. And trust me, for someone who works on glasses on computers all the time, it's really helpful. So check them out, tofosioptics.com. Tell them Earth Station One sent you. And now, folks, we have something returning to the show, which we have not done in quite some time. It's been well missed, actually. It's time for rants and raves, folks. That's right, folks. We're going to talk about what's on our mind. And what's on our mind right now is coming literally just about a week from now. We're heading to Dragon Con. 
It is my first con literally in, gosh, what, 18 months about, Mikey? For me, yeah, certainly. I think um, both of us, I think we went to the last one together. Well, the last con I was at was uh, in Uhele in March of last year. Right. Um, so you and, actually uh, went to something sooner than me because I think for me, my last one was Monster Rama last in, in actually 2019. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this will be my first. Yeah, this will be my first con really since then as well. Man, it's been weird. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, but you know what? It's Dragon Con and uh, I'm super excited. Um, you know, obviously there is a, uh, we'll say grayish cloud overhead over the skies of Atlanta just because of uh, Delta and everything that's going on. But um, you know what? Um, I think that uh, Dragon Con made the right call in not only having a mask mandate, but also uh, requiring folks to, when they pick up a badge, to either show proof of vaccination or uh, a negative COVID test. Uh, so um, I, I that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, and um, obviously, you know, things can happen, but. Uh, uh, I feel at least they've done everything they can do to um, hopefully have a, a safe convention for uh, everybody and still pull this off because as much fun as the virtual con was and as much respect as I have for them for putting that off last year, I mean, that was amazing feat. You know, it's going to be great to do panels and get in front of people and be at my uh, table in Artist Alley and the comic and pop artist alley area and and just see people again i mean not only have i not been to a convention in over a year i haven't really seen a lot of people in over a year so this is going to be really nice to see a lot of friends and 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 get together and do a lot of fun stuff and and uh you know what i couldn't agree more with you dude we uh we deserve this right i mean with, with everything that we've been through like this is like dragon con is is so welcoming it is welcoming, and truthfully, it couldn't come at a better time for a lot of us. But we also want to thank Dragon Con, and trust us, we do not have any affiliation with Dragon Con. Well, what, we are we, both we're, guests. We're guests, yes. <laughs> so we, our, we do have our, some but, affiliation. Yeah, but not like we're not on the payroll. We're not no, official no. members. No. Nothing like that. People have accused us of that before in the past and they've you know said oh you suck up to dragon con because you guys you know are working for them no let me get you something straight not one member of the eso network is an official employee of dragon con we have folks who are part of some of the other podcasts that might volunteer there. Some of us are attending professionals there. Some of us are guests there at the con, but we are not on payroll. We're not officially, you know, like if you looked up on their records, you would see us as guests or you know, stuff like that. But you wouldn't see us as, you know, like track directors or um, even, you know, volunteers in the, you know, the rooms or stuff like that. You know, even, you know, people who are actually employed by Dragon Con. No, that's not at all. Dragon Con does not truly have, you know, like they have their media department and they do Dragon Con TV. They even have their small little podcasts that they do on their own. 
The Dragon Con report has never been part of Dragon Con itself. When we do our videos, this we do all this because we're fans. We, we do, do this because we love it. We do love the con. We truly, truly, it's, a, it's an act of love. It's like how we do the podcasts. It's an act of love. It's not that we're doing this because we're required to or that we, you know, need to or that they tell us what to say or anything. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Hell, half the time, Mike Gordon doesn't even know what's next going to come out of my mouth. You or know? Mine. Yeah, Exactly. He doesn't either. He never knows what comes out of his mouth, no. which is a great thing. You know, that's why, why I love doing this show with this guy. He, you know, for 11 years now, we've been doing this. And, you know, the first time I met Mike Gordon face to face was at Dragon Con. It was in 2010. True story. And, and, you know, we both were getting our badges at the same time, you know, and it was just like, Hey, you know, I've been, I've been your co-host for, you know, three months now. And, you know, it's great finally to meet you in person. I met you and Bill at the same time. It was pretty awesome. And you know what? I wouldn't have traded that for anything. And going to Dragon Con, the look on William's face, the first time I took him to the parade will be a memory I take to the grave for me. You know, when we were driving up Andrew Young Boulevard trying to find a parking spot, he saw stormtroopers walking up towards the parade. And he was looked at me, and he was four years old. And he was like, Dad, what kind of parade is this? And I said, one you will never forget. And he hasn't. And he's carried on that tradition. You know, William's almost 22 now, and which blows my mind, folks. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story on itself. But he, his look on his face when he, we, he were standing on Peachtree Street watching that parade and the stormtrooper came up to him and posed with him for a picture is classic. It literally is right here. It's, it's on my wall, you know, and I will never, ever forget that. And... Dragon Con for me has gotten better and better every year. And I'm hoping that's the same thing for this year. And like Mike say, the, the, there is a great cloud over it. It's called COVID. And it's going to be, you know, hit or miss for a lot of things. Yes, thank you, Dragon Con, for putting the tighter restrictions on p making sure people have their, you know, either their, you know, their cards or a copy of their card, or a photo of their card, front and back, of course, or a negative, you know, test result within 72 hours to get in. If I think that's genius, I think it's smart. A lot of other venues are doing the same exact thing. We were looking at going to a music festival up in North Carolina in late September, and they, I looked at the Judy and I were looking at seeing what their rules were, and they are doing the exact same thing that Dragon Con is doing. But there are places are that are even going, you don't have the vaccine, you're not coming to this event. And yes, you're seeing things, you know, up on Dragon Con, on the Facebook page, on everything else, seeing that people are basically those who don't have the vaccine or don't have any way of getting tested or something or, or protesting, they're giving up their hotels. They're releasing blocks at the Marriott, at the Hilton, at the Hyatt and the Westin that are available. You don't see that normally this time of year. 
you see, you hear basically people begging for a room right now. You know, I'm desperate. I'll sleep on in your bathtub. You know, stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's just unheard of. It's going to be a very interesting year to do. And we talk all about it on the. We did a bonus episode of the Dragon Con Report this yeah, last there's been week. A lot to talk about this year on the Dragon Con Report for sure. And um, um, you know, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, strange things. Everything is reduced capacity. The attendance as a whole, all the panel rooms. Um, all the hotels are reduced. Everything is reduced capacity. So it's going to be different. Um, but you know, I, I am confident that Dragon Con will be able to pull it off and give us something special. And why do I have that confidence? Well, one, because I've been going there since 1994 and I've, I haven't missed a year and every year it's been amazing. Um, I can never imagine my life without going to Dragon Con. Uh, Dragon Con, I've been going in there for over half my life now. Uh, and, uh, it is. And it's been a very long life for you. (laughs) Um, and it's so, so the, the con itself and, and, and last year when they weren't able to have an in-person event, the, the people that, uh, you know, the fans still made it creative and still made it fun. Um, the parade was very creative. Uh, people submitting their, their ideas and their, their ways of be- participating in the parade, but in the parade and the masquerade ball and, and, uh, and various pa- panels was very creative. We've, that's what Dragon Con is full of a bunch of passionate fans who are very creative and, um, and that's not going to change. Um, it's, it's, it is a, as Mike said, there are very few people in Dragon Con that actually get paid. Um, and so, um, most of Dragon Con is made up of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people who are volunteering their time, um, and money and efforts to, to make this the best con that they can make it. And we've had the pleasure over the years of getting to know a lot of those people personally. And, um, you know, I can tell you that nobody there, nobody that we know is, is going, is wishing any bad experience for anybody. Um, so it's going to be a very special time and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, and getting back to, you know, what, what makes Dragon Con Dragon Con, which is the people and the fans. And that's what I'm really excited about. Um, now that said, uh, I, uh, as Mike pointed out, I am a guest and, uh, I, uh, so I will be doing panels. I have a total of 11, I think that I'm assigned to it right now. Um, and I will have a table in artist alley in the, in the America's Mart, uh, fourth floor, uh, table 520 is where I'll be. And, uh, when I'm not at panels, of course. And uh, so you can find me there and I will have uh, the newest issues of uh, all the books. Um, and I can tell you about the newest issue of Tiki Zombie, the 10 years Tiki's anniversary that we're special that we're doing. Um, unfortunately, it will not be there at the con, but uh, I'll be able to let you know about how you can get a copy of it and how you can pre-order it if you stop by there. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the panels that I'm on are, are very exciting. Um, I get to be on a few panels with Mike 
And uh, we are going to do some Earth Station 1 panels, some Earth Station Who panels, um, and even some panels that are not considered part of a podcast, and yet we're still going to hang out with each other. Exactly, because we like talking to each other, and we have you know mutual knowledges and mutual likes of things we're going to be doing. It's going to be a blast. And it was weird last year not actually being able to be there in person. The virtual stuff was great, being able to, but it was just like, doing this, talking on Zoom or talking on StreamYard or other options. And it was just really, really, you know, odd thinking that's our Dragon Con. Labor Day weekend, I was glued to my TV watching Dragon Con TV and, you know, watching, seeing friends up there, watching the parade virtually. And it was great to be able to at least have that. And, you know, like Mike said, um, I'll be there at this year, and I am going to be doing quite a few panels also. I have right now, and this includes virtual panels that I am going to be doing, I have under my belt 19 panels. Woo. So, you know, but the funny thing is, right now I have most of those are streamed so i've recorded mm. over half of those already so it's not going to be so bad for me you know running around to the different hotels and everything so it should be a lot of fun i'm gonna you know give you a couple highlights but if you want to see most of my schedule um check me out on facebook and oh, i will yeah. or the app i we are both under there and we're both under our names and we're not under there under earth station one or anything but we're there as either Mike Faber or Mike Gordon. So it's pretty cool. So definitely check it out. It's awesome. I love it. It's the best time ever. It's the only time being at Dragon Con was the only time I was listed above Nathan Fillion. It was awesome. <laughs> it was really cool. You know, I, I let that shine on me for a few minutes. So it was pretty cool. But um, I'm going to be talking on Friday. My first official panel is going to be The Mummy Returns. So that's going to be, you know pretty kind of fun and it's going to be interesting talking all about the mummy franchise including that wonderful um movie with tom cruise and so it should be really interesting um we're also going to be mike faulkner and i are going to be doing our getting started with digital media and talking about how to get into podcasting um you know mike and i have been and Mike Gordon actually has been involved in quite a few of those at different cons that we've done in the past. And so we're doing that with the um, the new media uh, panel, and we're doing it with me new media over down in the basement of the Hilton. And we're doing that, I think, on – I think we're doing that on Friday at 1 p.m. And any times we give could change in a whim. That's the great thing about DragonCon, too. Nothing's permanent until you're actually sitting at the table and wait, ready to go. So it's pretty cool. Um, we're also doing a uh, Invincible panel, which was pretty, which is a great, great series on Amazon. Um, Earth Station Who is doing um, the 25th anniversary of the Doctor Who movie, and can't believe that's 25 years. <laughs> and. So it's going to be pretty awesome to talk about then. Uh, we are also going to be doing the Greatest American Heroes 40th Anniversary. Going to be talking about that. Um, we're also doing, let's see, the movies we never thought we'd see. 
Yes, folks, I am talking about the New Mutants. <sighs> That's Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Hopefully everyone will be able to stay awake for that because, you know, it was such a riveting movie. Uh, then we also have, um, you know, Earth Station One. We are doing a Fargo panel. We we're talking about the 25th anniversary about the movie Fargo. You know, oh, geez, you betcha. <laughs> a friend of ours actually... Uh, just moved to uh, Minneapolis this last week. So, Tara, hope you have a great time in uh, Minneapolis. And, you know, try to stay warm because, you know, it gets very cold up there. So it's going to be very interesting uh, talking about all these different events that we're doing. I don't really plan on doing tons of socializing. I might do a little more than I originally planned on because of the new rules, but I don't expect to be hanging out at bars or hanging out at the Marriott taking pictures and stuff like that. But, you know, try to find me. I'd love to say hi to you guys. It's always good. Same here. Same here. Um, I am hoping to um, run into um, a lot of people and um, a lot of people that we know, a lot of friends, a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time. Most of which, many of which I haven't seen since last Dragon Con in 2019. Goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, real quick, I will go over my uh, panel schedule. Uh, my panels, uh, my schedule starts on Thursday night uh, at 10 p.m. I will be on the uh, 35 Years of Labyrinth. Uh, the movie uh, panel uh, should be fun. That's going to be for the American sci-fi classics track. Um, and then it uh, looks like I'm off all day Friday. Um, that could be, that could change. I think there's a panel that someone talked to me about being on that is not yet added to the f- schedule officially. So stay tuned and always check the app people. Cause things can change like so fast. Oh yeah. Um, so- but there's also times when you're, at the con and somebody for some reason can't be on the panel. If you're walking by or at the right time, they say, Hey, you want to be on this panel? Yeah. It says it's just that, uh, that easy and that crazy sometimes. Um, as Mike said, we're, uh, we're doing some virtual panels as well. Um, the air station who one that he talked about where we, um, celebrate the ninth doctor returning, um, on uh, Big Finish Adventures. So that was a lot of fun. We did that uh, virtually. So now if you're at the show, that's the only, you'll have to subscribe to DT, DCTV in order to check that out. So uh, I also believe that I did a couple of virtual panels too for the American Sci-Fi Classics track, as well as the American uh, Media, the Media track. So um, I'll have to check on what those are exactly because I, those aren't listed on my schedule either. But, um, but yeah, stay tuned. Um, and then, uh, so I'm off all day. Friday, Saturday is, uh, again, a live action ESW panel where we do celebrate the 25th anniversary. Everything's an anniversary. Um, everything makes us feel old. Speaking of which, also on, um, Saturday, uh, we are, uh, celebrating the 80th anniversary of the JSA. Uh, Mike and I will be on that panel as well as uh, Mike Falk. Not, no, that's not the wrong Mike. <laughs> that's the Michael Bailey. Michael Bailey, as well as uh, Kevin Eldridge uh, of the Flopcast. He will be on that panel as well. Uh, Michael Faulkner may be on that panel. I mean, he shows up. So Michael Faulkner just pops up when least you expect. Who's going to say no, right? Um, 
I'm also on a panel um, in the Brit Tracks called New Series Doctor Who, where we talk about the new series that's coming up. And uh, this will be uh, Jody and, and Chris Chibnall's last season so we're going to talk about that and uh what we're looking forward to and what we know so far um which would be interesting because i usually don't like spoilers so um that should be interesting to see what what comes out of that one um and then on sunday 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 is one of my panels uh, that is near and dearest to my heart it is the Tiki Pop Art panel. This is our sixth anniversary or sixth annual uh, Tiki Pop Art panel that we're doing. It's something that I brought to the uh, Comics and Pop Artist Alley um, a long, like six years ago, and uh, they made it happen for me that first year. And it was so popular that we've done it every year since. And last year we did a virtual version, and this year we're going back to live action. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing all the Tiki fans come out for that one. Um, we are also again, uh, on Saturday or sorry, on Sunday, uh, celebrating the 25th anniversary of Fargo, um, with, um, Mike and, and I believe Darren Noel is on that as well as, uh, uh, Thomas Mariani, right. Who's also on the net. Yep. So, double, so, edge, um, double bill. Yep. So, um, and then, uh, last but not, certainly not least on Sunday, I will be moderating a panel on the comics track called Working in Other People's Universes about uh, comic folks who work on licensed properties. Monday, I'll be doing two, moderating two podcast, uh, two podcast. Moder- podcast. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Monday, I will be moderating two panels for the comics track as well. One is uh, celebrating the life of Archie Comics artist and writer Bill Goyer, who's been doing uh, work for Archie Comics for over 30 years, as well as um, this has become an annual thing, too, uh, getting together with a bunch of other comic professionals. And we're talking about the state of comics in 2021, which should be really interesting uh, considering everything that's happened in the last year and a half. Uh, so where people think that the comics industry, sta- industry stands as a whole. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll try to keep that as positive as we can. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I'll be doing panels right up till closing on Monday. Uh, Monday, when I, like I said, I'm, when I'm not doing a panel, I'll be at my table. And I'm at my table until they say, go home, get out of here because we've got another event coming in because I love Dragon Con so much. I will, I will stay to the last drop, so to speak. So, um, so I, I look forward to seeing everybody there. Um, hope you can join me on one of these panels, uh, join in on the fun, uh, or see, I'll see you at the table. If not, uh, let me know. Um, you can send me a friend code on the app or just DM me, you know, send me a private message, send me an email and we'll make sure to, to touch base at some point during the con. Cause as crazy as it is, uh, that's what the con is all about to me is reaching out and, and connecting with people. So, um, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. And it's, it's hard to believe that. You know, it's only a week away. Oh, I can't even believe it. It's like, I am so not ready. I am so not ready. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Are you guys going to the con? Are you not? Are you just going to stick it out at home and maybe wait for next year? Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Definitely would love to hear from you about it. Let's take a quick break and we are going to be back with a whole bunch of people talking all about Duran Duran. Hi, 
this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We are getting close to the release of the next Marvel Cinematic Universe movie in theaters, which is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I know that Shang-Chi is actually one of the movies I've been most looking forward to in this next phase of the MCU, that and the Eternals, just because these are completely different characters, new settings, new storylines, and that's what I'm really wanting from this next phase of the MCU. I don't like to look at spoilers before I go to see a movie because I like the film to surprise me, but I have been checking out some of the early reaction views for Shang-Chi and I'm really liking what I'm seeing. Some of the early reactions are saying that this movie is unlike anything we've ever seen before in the MCU, which I think is always good because as a franchise goes forward, when you think about all the movies we've had in the MCU, you don't just want the same old, same old at this point. You want the franchise to push a new direction. So I'm glad they're doing that with this next phase. Also, it's going to have some magic and great martial arts action sequences, which I'm really looking forward to. And I know that I personally really enjoy the trailers so far for Shang-Chi, but the early reactions are saying that the movie is actually even better than the trailers are indicating. So I'm definitely excited to see this. I already have my ticket. My one concern is how this movie will do at the box office, and I hope that Disney is willing to give this movie some grace. It's going to be releasing exclusively in theaters at first, but I know some people just aren't comfortable going back to theaters yet, even with vaccines and masks. And so this movie may not perform as well at the box office as it might have done in a normal year. So I hope that Disney won't write off the character if this movie isn't an immediate huge theatrical success. I hope that they'll look at streaming numbers and social media chatter to see what the response is because you know we are living in weird times and we're not going to get back to those infinity war in-game box office numbers right away if we ever get that at all so i hope that disney remains committed to this type of forward-thinking storytelling and that gives this movie chance to breathe Maybe it doesn't do a huge opening weekend, but word of mouth is good and it trickles in over time and streaming will be another big boost when it comes out for people to rent there. So do what you can to support Shang-Chi, but if you're not comfortable going to the theaters, I totally understand and just hope that Disney will continue, like I said, to commit to this type of storytelling because I'm very excited for Shang-Chi and the Eternals and everything else that is to come. And if you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog on the ESO Podcast website. Do you like podcasts? Then you're gonna hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. Listeners, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we're going back in the way back machine, and we are talking about the 40th anniversary of Duran Duran. The band so great, they named it twice. Ready, Mikey? 
<laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Man, it's hard to believe that it's been 40 years since the little band from Birmingham made a huge impact on on pop culture. Uh, certainly the billboard charts as well as uh, videos and man, everything. And, uh, you know, they just released, they're not, they're not done. They just released an album, uh, I think a couple months ago. So they've been releasing some new music, uh, this, this year. Um, and, uh, we are going to talk all about them. And of course we, uh, have our music crew here, uh, including the iconic rock moment person herself. Michelle is here. Hi there. Should be rock moment diva or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> diva or uh, superstar. Um, and we also have Ricky and Bambi with us. Hello, hello. Glad to glad to hear from you guys again. It's been too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, wow, also- the enthusiasm there. <laughs> no, yeah. Right? Well, well <laughs> it's so <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, you take what you can get in, in you know, this, these pandemic times, uh, you just take what you can get. So uh, I'm just glad that uh, everybody's here. And we have someone new joining us for the first time on Earth Station One. Robin is here. Robin, welcome to the show. Welcome to the station. Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for we are, letting me be here. We are glad to have you. I understand you are a rather big fan of Duran Duran. I am a big fan. Yes, yes. Yes, awesome. Fan. These many years, it seems unreal that it's been 40 years they've been together, but yep. It, it does. It does. Well, let's get things started and we'll start with you. The first uh, thing we usually like to know is, is what was your, do you remember your introduction to the band, how you discovered them? I do. I do. It was, uh, was uh, for me, it wasn't until like 82 that I got into them mm-hmm. and it was uh, Hungry Like the Wolf. And seeing the video the on video. MTV. Yeah. yeah. It was always the videos. I mean, that's what they were known for. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty MTV much was new to me. And, and I saw them and, you know, I was what, 17, 18 years old. And it was like, okay, this is new music that I didn't know who was singing it. But then I saw the video and I was just instantly, instantly a fan. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, that video was pretty amazing. Uh, obviously I think it has a lot of, uh, influence from, uh, you know, I think the, the hit movie at the time was Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it had this kind of adventurous quality to it. Um, you know, it had, had Simon in a, in a, not a, quite a fedora, more like a, um, Panama Jack hat, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think John John Taylor had on the fedora. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, but uh, yes, very cool, very cool. I, you know, I was trying to think of it myself, and I, you know, my memory is so bad when it comes to stuff like that that I don't really recall the first you know song I heard or the first video. I, I it probably was a video. Um, but, um, you know, I, I keep thinking that the, the first song was, um, that was, uh, um, something I should know. Ah. Uh. Um, because I think was, was that a hit before Hungry Like a Wolf? No, that was after no? that. That was that after? Was, okay. Yeah. So it must've been Hungry Like the Wolf then. And I, yeah. I don't, I didn't have MTV that early. So it probably would have been through Friday Night Videos or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. They so. showed it on other things, but of course, MTV was the thing. I mean, yes. I had to have MTV. I mean, I just had to yeah, have it. Well, everybody did. Every, yeah. <laughs> That's why everyone was calling, I want my MTV. <laughs> exactly. That was literally their, their ad campaign. Yep. Um, 
Michelle, do you remember your first experience with Duran Duran? I, I don't. Um, I remember Friday night videos and MTV, just this swirl of Rio and the guys on the yacht and Hungry Like the Wolf and the Reflex and Live Aid and um, my sister, my mom, and I laughing every time they showed the uh, View to a Kill video and the Bond, Simon Le Bon. Never got old. Never got old. Um, they were just always there. They hit, when they hit, they hit hard. They did. Because um, it's like they weren't there and all of a sudden they were everywhere. <laughs> Um, and it seemed like they almost had two albums out at the same time. And they had like five or six singles going on within like release that were hits within the span of like a year or two. And it just like, it just was, it was in your face. Like you couldn't get away from them. Yeah. I think, I think in the States, especially when they came on, they had already had songs in the UK that we hadn't heard yet. Oh, right. So yes. it was like, you know, their first album was already, it was actually the second album that Hungry Like the Wolf, I believe, was out here. So Hungry Like the Wolf is what kind of what launched them with that video. And then, of course, Rio and all those other ones. But then when that was out, you already had other songs. So it kind of came out at the same time, like Planet Earth. The song Planet Earth was before that. Mm-hmm. And then that was a big hit on the video channels, you know. So, but the thing was, it seemed like they just released it. Well, they did release it kind of in here at the same time, but they'd already recorded it a couple of years before. So it made uh, it look like they had a lot of stuff all at once when it, and when they kind of did, but just released in the U.S. When, uh, when they released that, uh, I don't know if it was the video for planet earth or something that their, their, their first video, I think was their first video, uh, for planet earth. Um, and I don't know that I'd ever seen it before because I was, you know, scanning on YouTube and watching some of their other stuff over the last week or so. And I saw this really, really old video and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, it looked like that was their first foray huh. to anything. Um, because it looks so, they look so young and raw. Um, right. so I think it must've been before cause they look in hungry, like the wolf, they've looked pretty polished already. Yes. Yes, so. they were. And I think that's what sold them in the States too. They were already, you know, look like they were something. Yeah. 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 Um, Bambi, what about you? What, uh, what is your first experience with Duran Duran? If you can recall. Well, what's weird is like listening to you guys talk. I think I've, I kind of learned who Duran Duran was a little bit differently because I didn't, I had never seen their videos. I knew their songs. I knew the name of the band, but I didn't know Duran Duran was the one who did Hungry Like the Wolf because I'd never seen the music video. I actually still have never seen the music video for it. Wow. But the uh, the only video I know I've seen from them when I, I made the connection, Duran Duran is this band, was, um, I was I was a little kid watching some like throwback. There was a bunch of different music videos, like older songs. Stuff, Cause I remember they were playing love bites by Def Leppard and a bunch of old videos. And they played uh, come undone by Duran Duran right. was on there. And I don't know why, maybe cause I was a, a kid, but to this day, I still remember it as having a mermaid in the video, but like re- like watching the video, I'm like, Oh, it's a lady trying to, get undone from that thing. But I still have a memory of it being a mermaid in that video. 
That, so. that, yeah, that was when they kind of had their resurgence. Yes. Um, um, which, uh, which some bands can't do. Um, but they, they did that and they, they came back hard. Um, and they've had multiple resurgences actually. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. They've kind of been like the doctor, right? They've regenerated a few times. <laughs> But they all look the same, just older. <laughs> That's true. Well, there's different bandmates. You know, they've had different. The bands changed a little bit over the years, um, but uh, you still get the same core people. I think. Uh, I think Nick and Simon have been the only two that have been constantly a member of the band. Uh, well, John as well. I would say definitely. I mean, Nick and Simon had like Arcadia for you know they had their own band when right. On and Andy went and did Power Station, you know. Yep. But uh, but as far as the, John's been with them too officially, I'd say John, Simon, and Nick would be the the core. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Roger has joined back with them just in the last what ten years or so. Something like that, and then Andy, like there's a revolving door with Andy, right? Like exactly. Andy, yeah. <laughs> the guitar player just yeah. <laughs> be anybody he, he like yeah he's like oh i want to rock and then he like you know leaves and then and he comes back because you need some money or whatever and then he went to rock. <laughs> but um uh, and it should be you know at least according to the bio um it should be mentioned that uh john taylor and nick rhodes formed duran duran in 1978 so uh this is not i mean they the band has been around for more than 40 years but uh, we're here i mean i think they they marked the first album that they had their first full album uh which was in 1981 and that's when simon was already there and that's when they that's when that's when duran duran as we know them kind of emerged right Um, yeah i think um, they they do call that original because Simon really made the voice of them. So it made the difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Ricky, what about you? What, uh, do you have a, a, a memory of a careless memory of them? Uh, (laughs) Wrong band. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Memories was a grand grand. (laughs) For me, it was, um, you know, early eighties, like 82 when the video for uh, hungry Lake the wolf came out. I remember at the time just MTV was new and watching it all the time. When I saw that video, it just stood out from everything else that was on MTV at the time. The production was just incredible compared to the other videos that were shot on uh, on video instead of on film. And it was just this amazing video on location and it felt like you were watching part of a movie. So it, they stood out. They really stood out at the time. Yeah. It was almost like it was, it was a video uh, from a, like a, like a, like it was on a soundtrack, but yet there was no movie associated with it. But you know, what's really bad is I don't remember there being videos at the time from movie soundtracks where they showed clips from the movie along with the video and maybe there were but it was really early in mtv yeah and and i don't remember that being a thing yet but even if it was a thing at that point when i think back to those early uh movie videos they didn't look anywhere near as good as the video for hungry like the wolf (laughs) it's true it's true mike what about you for me it was interesting you know 
like you, Mike, I didn't have MTV until 84, 85. And so, you know, we got our music videos through Friday Night Videos or Night Flight or, you know, some of the different specials they had on different cable channels. But I think the very first one I saw was Planet Earth. And that's the first time I had heard of Duran Duran. And I think the progressive station in our area started playing them originally until they became top 40. And then you never heard Duran Duran ever again on the progressive station. It lasted about a month. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. For a month, they were progressive. (laughs) Exactly. And, but it was, it was real interesting hearing like planet earth and then girls on film. And, then it went to Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf. I think Hungry Like the Wolf, though, was the first video I actually saw because I heard the music before I saw the videos. Mm. And I was blown away by the video because it was the first cinematic video I had ever seen that it felt like a movie, like you, you've said multiple times already. And it was it was just amazing to see up on Friday Night Videos and – you know, we used to stay up half the night to watch all the videos they were showing because we didn't get it, you know, the, the MTV stuff. So it was great to, you know, catch up with what was popular and stuff. And, you know, we had, you know, tried to record as many of the videos on VHS so we could watch them during the weekend or anything like that. And that's how pathetic we were at that time, <laughs> folks, you know. And but it it was it was neat to see because this band wasn't like any of the other bands. It was they weren't Depeche Mode. They were not, you know, they weren't any of these American bands or they weren't Split Ends. They weren't, you know, stuff like that. They had their own unique sound, and it was awesome. It was like nothing you had heard before. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, in some ways, it was. It, it, it was. I can't say that I, when I listened to them, I thought, oh, my God, this is revolutionary. I've never heard anything like this. Because it did sort of have roots in, in other things. Um, oh, exactly. You and I were talking earlier that they had a lot of their roots was Roxy Music yes. and you know bands like that. And you also had a lot of the funk bands that you know that came out of the 70s you heard in a lot of the duran duran stuff but to see white guys doing this was pretty amazing (laughs) you know wow and that's a whole other discussion uh no (laughs) you know but it they they were very soulful and it was and when they started becoming popular they were everywhere Every magazine, every, you know, video thing, wherever you looked, Duran Duran was there. And then for them to eventually get a Bond theme, come on, that's not too shabby. Yeah, I I think for maybe a a whole decade, there was not an issue of Teen Beat that didn't have a picture of one of them, at least in it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know if they still make Teen Beat, or Tiger Beat, rather. Yeah, but the difference with them, I think, they weren't really Teeny Bopper, and they weren't trying to be Teeny Bopper. Right. But they were still good looking enough to be on the magazines, you know. Yeah. And they they were pretty boys. And and that's the other thing with their videos, not only were they high end, but they were also very uh sexual. Um and uh very I mean, they always had models. Uh I mean this was this was a band that was as Michelle pointed out with the the, the video for Rio, this is a band that was like over in, in Europe, you know, on yachts. 
like you know flirting with supermodels like it was like it was like yeah that, like that. girls on film you know? oh yes that, you know, that that video too you know was very popular early on and and they yeah they, they were very more sexualized than most uh teeny bopper you know teeny bopper you wanted to be goody goody yeah you know you couldn't get away with that kind of stuff and they, but they weren't going for that no no they, were, know, they were they going were going for the music Exactly. They were drinking alcohol. They were drinking, you know, <laughs> you know on, on the videos and, you know, the big goblets and everything and, you know, just and the different colored liquors and everything in it. And the girls all made up, you know, to look exotic, even more exotic than they were. And those those videos were just amazing. Well, and literally yeah, there is like, a lot of artistic and and, and literally like mm-hmm. yeah, very much girls so. on film video is R rated like it. You couldn't like they had to edit it down so that we could see a version of it here in the States. But um, I think the only right. place you could see it here was like on the Playboy channel or something like that. So, um, and, you know, obviously they were going for and and I think we talked about this a little bit, Mike, when we did our uh, patron only look at the anniversary of MTV. Um British bands were used to doing videos like they were already they already had sort of that mentality. Let's produce something nice to show on top of the pops and other uh, outlets over in the UK. So when MTV started, like British bands were already ready. So like bands like The Police and and Duran Duran and David Bowie were like they had stuff already in the can like here, show this for us. And and it looked really polished, whereas American acts had to play catch up because no one knew exactly what to make of music videos, I think, for American audiences at the time. So very much so. And 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 like I said, they they came in with this, this sort of sexuality and and this sort of. Yeah, I mean, they they had their roots in Roxy Music. Um I was a big fan of David Bowie. So there was like a, this sort of a through line there um, where some of their music was, was inspired by David Bowie. They've, they've said that a few times. They've even done a tribute, a few tributes to him. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the other thing too. I mean, we talk about the videos because the videos were impactful. They were huge and they, they're what put Duran Duran like over the top, I think, as far as this country anyway, um, but really the music behind them, the music that was in there, I think stands on its own without visuals, you know, like I, 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 uh, I, I listened to those albums, those first three albums, I still listen to over and over again because, and I don't, even the tracks that don't have videos, uh, I think are very solid. Um, so, and, you know, I, I also like the fact that their image is, it's like they don't take themselves too seriously because even in the videos, like there's a, like an element of fun to them. Oh yeah, very much so. Uh, especially with Rio, you know, where mm-hmm. they're where Simon's on the on that on that phone and he falls in the water and like there's just a lot of like and uh, Roger gets like bit by the crab or whatever and yeah. there's like some really like fun elements to it that sort of like let you know like hey this band is is a is a fun time um, and they have this, this poppy soulful music. Um, and then you mix that together with Simon's pouty, whaley vocals. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe <laughs> it, but si- there's, I don't know of anybody who sounds like Simon. No. Yeah, he's kind of got like a goth kind of element to him. It's still pop, definitely pop, but I don't know. He's got that almost Morrissey-esque wine to him, uh-huh. but it's very, very pop. So, I don't know. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> no, very much so. 
But they had some amazing, you know, serious songs too on their albums. They just weren't, you know, all like, "Hey, we're here to have fun." They had some amazing ballads and some and such. It was pretty awesome, and that's one of the, some of the stuff I loved about them. They were able to carry all the above to it, yeah, and. So it was, and that was, that was the great experience with Duran Duran. And then even like when they did, they split up into the two bands. Yeah. And that was, so, and that, that was, that was very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Explain that. Cause I'm actually, I'm unaware of this. What do you mean by they split up into two and, bands? Okay. So, uh, Duran Duran in 19, oh, I know Robin, you're going to be able to correct me on this. Uh, probably tell a better <laughs> story than this, but my understanding is, is that in 80, 84, 85-ish, the, the, the band was not handling their success very well. Let's put it that way, right? They were not getting yes. along. Um, I, I think when they made the video for Wild Boys, they pretty much knew that was the end. Um, and so, uh, but they did not make a, a break where they all split up and, uh, and went their different ways. Instead, um, John Taylor, who is the bass player, and uh Andy Taylor, not related, uh <laughs> who is the guitarist, uh they hooked up with Robert Palmer, right? Mm-hmm. And and he was already doing had some success on his own solo. Right. And they formed a band named Power Station. Oh um, okay. which did a few songs, some like it hot. They did a cover of that, right? And or Bang a Gong. Bang a Gong the cover, yeah. right? Were they both covers yep. or was Some Like It Hot a new one? Was that an original? Tune? I think Some Like It Hot was original. Bang gotcha. a Gong was yeah. cover. And, uh, right. and so that that definitely was more like hard rock. I think that was more like Andy's thing. Like Andy really liked more like hard rock stuff. Uh-huh. Whereas Simon, Nick, and Roger formed a band called Arcadia. And there they could explore <laughs> Nick and Simon's, I don't know, fantastical music experience. I don't know how to describe <laughs> their music. Like their music is, it, it like... It's it's so strange. It's like you could definitely tell that the two parts that made Duran Duran whole, like were broken apart. And one is like over here being rock and poppy and the other is being more artistic and more visionary, I think, uh, which is is that fair to say, Robin? Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. OK. It was definitely a different sound and, and it definitely wasn't Andy's rock. You know, it was yeah. totally different from that. Right. right. Um, even though their sound was different, uh, it, it is hard to describe. Yeah. But you did very well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, um, because, you know. That is a good way to say well, it. Well, and it should be told, like, you know, in full disclosure, I was all in with Duran Duran in the 80s. In the early 80s, I mean, I was, uh, I bought all their albums. I loved, uh, you know, I, I recorded all their videos off of whatever channel I could find them on. Um, I, uh, I bought their, I should say I didn't buy their albums. I bought their cassettes because <laughs> that's why I had them all their all their albums on cassettes. Um, and, uh, I think I've, uh, disclosed this before, uh, but they were the first band I ever saw in concert. Uh, oh, 19, that's, 19- that's right. You yep. forgot about in that. In 1984, uh, March of 1984 at the Worcester Centrum, I went to my first show ever seeing live, uh, concert, a live band. And it was Duran Duran there. Um, it was their uh, Sing Blue Silver Tour, I believe it was called. And they were promoting Seven and the Ragged Tiger, that album, which I, ooh, I love that album so much. And um, 
And I've often mentioned, if you want to recreate that experience of seeing them at that time, uh, watch the video for the reflex, because that was filmed like I've been, I think a month before uh, I saw them. Um, and mm-hmm. it was filmed, I think in Toronto and it's the same and fo- thing. And folks, the water did not come out of the yeah. you know, If you watch the video for the, the reflex, there, there was no actually water coming out of the screen, <laughs> dumping on the first few rows. Um, it wasn't a Gallagher concert, basically. But, <laughs> but that's when I found out, too, that band, like, you know, it was great to listen to them, uh, you know, with cassettes and seeing them on, on video and everything. But watching them live, that was a band that could kick some serious ass live. Oh. Uh, they They had... They had the crowd, and I know Mike. You've seen that. You saw that tour too, right? I was. That's the only time I got to see them was during that tour. I saw them at the Capitol Center in outside, right outside of Washington D.C., and it was it was the the band had the audience in the palm of their hand. It was just amazing. They could have done anything. The electricity in there was just amazing. At first, it sounded like it was going to be a Beatles concert where everyone was just screaming. Oh my God! So many girls. Oh, exactly, and everything. <laughs> but you, the music just took over, and they were electric. They were truly amazing in concert. And you know, I know Robin has seen them a zillion times. What was the, what was your? Oh, first I year? wouldn't say a zillion, but I did see that tour. Yeah. I did yeah. see that. That was the first time I saw them as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was an amazing. It was a lot of screaming girls. Yes, and I was one of those screaming <laughs> girls. So yeah. Yeah, because prior to that tour, they were playing like little shows like, uh, you know, they played the Paradise in 82. Uh, that's a big Boston venue. Um, and, um, you know, they played like smaller shows. And then it wasn't until by the time Seven and the Ragged Tiger came, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, came, they were so over, like in terms of pop culture, period. I think they were on the cover of Rolling Stone. They were um, their videos. I mean, you thought they were slick before uh, the videos for um, Union and the Snake and and the and New Moon on Monday. I mean, I don't know how much those cost. Those cost like as much as it does like a movie. Like, I mean, those were yeah. Those were yeah I agree movies. with that. Yeah, those are big, and and they did a documentary of that tour as well. I don't know if you probably can get it now. I don't know. I haven't seen it since back in the day. I'm sure it's on YouTube had, back somewhere. On VHS. <laughs> yeah, or on YouTube or something. Maybe you can catch it now. But, you know, back then they didn't do documentaries of tours, you know, like they do now. And uh, that was a new thing as well. You know, they were doing the first of a lot of things, you know, including the videos and stuff. But they, I really believe they, with that, it just made them more popular. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they were everywhere. And yeah, and, and that was their height. I really believe that. And it was right after that tour, I believe, when they did kind of split into the different bands. As I think, like I said, they they were everywhere, which was a great thing. But the the success kind of get them got them too much. I, I, that's what I we think. see it. We see it happen so many times. And and they hadn't been mm-hmm. together that long. Um, no, you know, they 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 were you know they formed I think in by eighty one. We're talking like they were they were the band that we that we think of, and then like just four years later, they were the biggest thing since. I mean, look, I know it's, it sounds cliche, but it's like were they bigger than the Beatles? I don't know, but they were pretty damn big. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. they were they were pretty damn big, and they changed like like you know they were on magazine covers and 
and they were on TV and they were on talk shows and they were everywhere. And not just the music, but the videos were changing the course of MTV as well as fashion. I mean, people like mm-hmm. guys wanted to dress like them. Um, it was, I mean, you know, it was everything. Oh, everyone wanted to have the shaggy hair like Andy did. And, you know, and it was just, it was just awesome with the streak of blonde in it. And, you know, it was just, it was just, they were everywhere. For me, one of the biggest memories I have other than seeing them in concert was seeing them at Live Aid. Right, mm-hmm. right. The concert they did there. Which they made a little were, bit of a stink of, not, not them per se, but, um, cause they played the, um, that's the first time I think they played the, uh, the Bond theme from A View to a Kill, uh, A View to a Kill live. And then, uh, Pat, come, Boone. Pat Boone Pat kind of went off like on it. him about how they were dancing in the fire and that wasn't appropriate music for young kids and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? All it did was help them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the- Gee, like they needed more publicity, <laughs> folks. Come on. You know? Like they needed more, like a, a more of an excuse for, for kids to like them, you know? Oh, uh-huh. Pat Boone doesn't like them? Well, sign me up and I'll buy that album. Uh, I think they are, uh, they are single for the Bond soundtrack, by the way, was the first one to go number one in this country. Um, it was pretty huge. Um, it's, it still stands as one of the most popular Bond songs, uh, uh, Bond theme songs that there's ever been oh, yeah. for a movie. Um, and like you said, Michelle, that video is a lot of fun. It, it's, it's wacky and it's, you know, it, I don't think when you, when you look back on it now, it doesn't look like it's that well made. No, but it's fun. <laughs> it's still pretty fun. Right. Cause yeah, various members, it, it is ironic because various, it, the whole, uh, the, the, um, the premise of the video is that the bandmates are all against each other like as spies and everything. And I'm like, well, that was probably pretty true to what was going on behind the scenes too. <laughs> Cause you know, and that's, they had the floating cameras everywhere following them around. Yeah. It was just like, and of course they had to show poor Roger Moore still trying to run up the stairs yeah. of the Eiffel Tower. Still huffing, still huffing and puffing. <laughs> So they were the first band that I ever saw. Um, they were one of three musical acts of, that I had posters on my wall for. I had uh, um, Duran Duran on my wall. I had Prince on my wall, and I had David Bowie on my wall. So, uh, so those were that was my main influences uh, as bands uh, going. In. And uh, um, I don't know anything else that we should say about, especially the early days of Duran Duran, that first big boom. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this is from a younger yeah. perspective at the time. Um, I, it sounds like you guys were all a couple years older than I was. You're too kind. And for me, <laughs> the, uh, at least you didn't call us old folks. At least, you know? yeah, at least a couple. <laughs> the, uh, the kids my age, um, the girls like Duran Duran. But because, and to anyone listening to this, the 80s were a very different time. <laughs> true, true. But at the, at the time, uh, there was a lot more accepted homophobia. <laughs> and kids my age who were younger thought that these guys were gay because they wore makeup. And so as a guy 
as a young, younger, I should, I should say like young boy in the eighties, it was definitely not okay to like Duran Duran at, in any of the circles yeah, they weren't that I wearing, was in. Nick Rhodes was not make it, wearing makeup in the same way Kiss was wearing makeup. Exactly. Right. Or Alice Cooper. And, you know, even a few years later, you had bands. I, I mean, even, you know, Kiss was wearing, they were out of their uh, quote unquote right. makeup era, but they were still wearing makeup. Um, but it wasn't the same with Duran Duran. It was, it was they were wearing subtle makeup that like made them look attractive, not scary. <laughs> and so, so young boys at the time, it was just not cool to like them. Now, I, I never really gave it a whole lot of thought because I really wasn't all that into music beyond uh, the spectacle of MTV. So I liked music videos, but I hadn't really gotten into music yet when I was first experiencing Duran Duran. It was honestly probably from babysitters who watched MTV hoping to see Duran Duran. Uh, but I, I thought their videos were so cool. Um, but then, you know, you'd go to school and if anybody mentioned Duran Duran, it was because that was that gay band. And uh, so from my perspective, it just it wasn't OK for for kid, for boys my age to listen to Duran Duran at the time. And it may not have been like that everywhere in the country, but it was certainly like that here in Georgia. Uh, in the I 80s. can see that. Now, what's really funny, though, is by the 90s when they had their resurgence with the wedding album. And I don't know if it's because I was older then. Or because times had changed then, but uh, they were just, it seemed, taken so much more seriously. They had been kind of looked at as, I think, a pop band in the way the early Beatles were seen. And then when the wedding album came out, it was a lot more serious like the way the late <laughs> Beatles were seen. Well, and there's something to the fact that they just were still around. And they are still producing music because a lot of bands from that era weren't. Uh, no, it's true. Well, in in general, if a band has a four-year career, that's considered no, agreed, really good. Agreed. So, you know, most of the bands that we talk about here are bands that have had decades-long yeah. careers. But uh, so many bands, even bands who aren't one-hit wonders, even bands that have had multiple hit songs on MTV or multiple hit radio hit songs on radio. If you look at their entire charting career, it's easily under four years. They might keep touring as a nostalgia band, but it's rare to have a band that stays at all relevant for more than that four year period of time. So when Duran Duran came back with the wedding album, I honestly thought, Oh, wow. Did they get back together? <laughs> I didn't know that they had stayed together in some form or another for most of that time. And I guess you could argue the details of that. But really, a lot of bands go a few years between albums. But it felt a lot more to me like Duran Duran had been completely gone for several years 
And then they came back with the wedding album and it was just amazing. And I didn't know the details of who was in the band and how lineup changes had happened or anything like that at that time. I just knew I was hearing these new songs on the radio by Duran Duran. And I thought this stuff sounds a lot. It's, it's great. It sounds like the band has matured and now they're putting out, uh, not pop songs, but more serious songs. <clears throat> and the, the kind of funny thing is I thought of those old songs as pop songs, but when I started playing them as a musician, I realized, wow, these guys yep. are some of the best musicians to ever have hit songs. That was that was going to be my my thing. I was going to say is talk about how phenomenal they yeah. are as musicians. Yeah, they're easily when it comes to to bands that you would call pop bands, they're easily one of the m- most talented bands in that genre. Yeah, most underrated. I- Yes. Musically. As musicians, I think they're they're easily one of the most wow. underrated and, bands. And ever. I think because they're so poppy, they they're easily dismissed. Because they're a teeny you know, because they attract a lot of like teenage girls, they're easily dismissed. As you pointed out, Ricky, um, you know, they were part of that wave that came from Britain that had included, you know, Duran Duran uh was the head of it maybe. Uh, but you had Culture Club, you had Wham, that sort of brought this sort of sexuality and homosexuality into pop music from in America that I don't know if America, like, you know, you certainly weren't getting that from American pop bands. So, so yes, there was no. a lot of like, you know, but in, when as a kid, you know, I mean, yes, I saw Duran Duran, I bought the program, I bought a t-shirt. Um, was I made fun of when I wore the t-shirt at school? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, because, yeah, because I went to a high school where the male culture was like, we listened to ACDC and we listened to Motley Crue and, you know, and, and we don't listen to, actually, at that point, they didn't even, I mean, even if you listen like Journey and REO Speedwagon, you were kind of considered like, you know, <laughs> not, not cool. The jocks all listen to Rush. They listen to, you know, ACDC, Motley Crue, all that kind of stuff. I never really, I never, I'm gonna I, never really, I, ne- I, I never like, really, I never really, yeah, they did. They did. At, where I grew up, they did. It was very pop. Rush, that's where, how I had learned what Rush was originally, you know. And, you know, because of the... I, I think that's an anomaly. Yeah, I know. It's like, I always think of Rush as, like, a nerd no, thing. Yeah, the guys that played Dungeons and Dragons listen no, Rush to Rush. Rush was, like, played on the, you know, the rock, the heavy rock band, you know, stations in D.C. and everything like that. Mm. And, you know, and then Springsteen and all that kind of stuff at the time. It was just, especially once Born in the USA came out and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm from, I'm from the South, and they they played uh, Rush. I think of the Stoners. Yeah. The Stoners were listening, <laughs> yeah. right? They had a very diverse <laughs> audience, apparently. <laughs> well, Robin, I wanted to get with you since you've seen them. Do you know exactly how many times you've seen them? You must. I think I've seen about okay. eight or nine. So times. you've seen them throughout their forty year history, right? And. And yeah, yeah, different ones. Last time I saw them was just about okay, three years okay. ago. Okay. So um now a quick question is are there 
are there better performances that you've seen than others when they were on? Uh, would you say they've always been at top of their game or was there times where the band wasn't quite there or how, is, how would you say that their um, experience has been seeing them live over the years? Yeah, for me personally, because yeah, I have seen them probably in all their, I mean, I never saw like Arcadia. I don't think they even um, toured if they did nowhere near me. Uh, I did see power station um, and they were very good. I saw them actually the day after they played oh, wow. Live Aid. Um, then they saw it, then they played. So that's how close Live Aid and Duran Duran, all that was all together with Power Station. That's how I can kind of remember the dates. Um, but um, I remember in 87 when I saw them again, they were still really on their game then. And then later on in the 90s, I saw them a couple of times and they were. I think that's kind of when they fell out. I still like the music, but they weren't selling records. You know what I mean? I don't think they were really popular during, still. Like, when they were doing like I big would still thing go and, see and them. during that period. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love like big thing. Yeah. I love that. And Liberty was another album of theirs that I loved that never sold well at all, but I loved it, you know, but I think that would be someone who had bought it and really, really wanted to listen to it. You know, it had to be able to be mm-hmm. a fan, I think, which I don't think that, like I said, they really were good musicians. You just didn't know how good musicians they were until the wedding album would come undone. And that song just, like I said, relaunched them again. And I don't think they lost their live performance even, but I think a lot of people just didn't go see them as much. They weren't as popular and that made them feel like maybe they weren't as popular. I don't know. Or they weren't as good musicians. Um, I think they, I think they saw it that way, but the last time I saw them, uh, well, not the last time, but the tour with the um, Paper Dolls, I went to see them in uh, California, and they were really okay. on their game. I mean, you could tell they were really back. So probably, to be honest, it's like bookends. The very first tour and the very last tour, to me, personally, it was, was one of my favorite tours. Was that the that they were with? And in the middle, kind of like that with Nile Rogers. Okay. Yes. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, if you've got Nile Rogers associated with you, right? Like, and and yeah, and they were playing, and and she, yeah, they opened up. It was and great. and he's been associated with that band for a long time because I think he produced. Yes, yes, they've always uh, been fans. I think that's where one of their major influence, along with yeah. Roxy Music, was at the yeah, beginning. I think yeah, he produced uh, the Reflex, at least the single version of it, anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so he's uh, a long association with them. So. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. Um, and I definitely want to, yeah, go back to Ricky and Bambi. So guys, I know you've probably have played Duran Duran songs, right? I've taught people how to play Duran Duran. By the way, we actually saw a concert too. No, cool. (laughs) Yeah. We were surprised because we saw them at Chastain. Yeah. And Chastain is (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes, I agree with that. I, I didn't go to that show because it was at Chastain. <laughs> it was it was easily one of the top five shows wow. I've seen at Chastain. Wow. And I've seen a lot of shows at Chastain. Uh the Indigo Girls was amazing, not because they finally got the sound right at the at Chastain. The Indigo Girls was amazing because it's the only concert I've ever been to where it was an entire crowd of women singing along and it was just beautiful. 
it, it, it was amazing. It was like surround sound because all of the women singing along were just in so well with, with the, the music. And since Chastain is famously quiet, uh, you could really hear everybody singing and it blew me away. But Duran Duran, I, I think what probably impressed me the most is by that point, I knew what talented musicians they were. I knew how difficult it was to play those parts. And as a musician, I know how hard it is to put on a show, a rock show at a low volume. And it didn't feel like it was as quiet as it was. They really rocked. And I just, I was extremely impressed with Duran Duran yet again. And for a new reason, when I saw them at Chastain, they put on such an amazing show. They looked like they were enjoying themselves and enjoying each other, like their company. They looked like they were whatever, getting along, I guess. But Genuinely having yeah, fun. Like they were, they were with which, the band they wanted was that? to we know? be with. It was uh, okay. early 2000s. I, I honestly don't so remember the date. Probably would have been John and Simon and Nick and I don't know. It was Andy probably wasn't there at that point because I don't think Andy's been there for a while. I don't think Andy was with them. That sounds right. I'm, I'm thinking that was there on the 2005 tour. Yeah. I remember that. That's it would have been that. right around then. Yeah. yeah. yeah but I'll tell you, when I taught one of my students how to play Rio. I showed I before we before I tried to teach him the part I said I'm just going to play it and show you how this bass part goes and his jaw dropped and he said I don't I don't think I'll ever be able to play that and uh he was but he had to work so hard at playing it <laughs> he focused solely on that for a while <laughs> yeah it it is one of the most difficult bass lines I've ever done, and I used to play a lot of Rush. I, uh, one of the things, uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, has happened through the pandemic is that uh, John Taylor was was doing some YouTube videos where he was showing people how about bass parts of of popular Duran Duran songs, and I do remember particularly with the Reflex. Um, he was uh, playing just the baseline for the reflex, and my God, that I mean, I mean that yep. is, that that did not look like it was easy. Crazy. No, no, he his bass parts are so underrated and misunderstood. He contributes so much to yeah. the sound of Duran Duran. It's not that they're just busy; they're musical. It's it's not yeah. busy for the sake of being busy, which you know, people that are but might cringe when I say this. Rush feels like a lot of it feels like it's busy to be busy at some points, but with Duran Duran, it feels like there's a point to its busyness. And it's it, it's also the subtleties. Yes, yes, it's so tasteful. He does a lot of things that if you tried to play the baseline based just solely on what you heard from listening to the album, I can understand how somebody could misinterpret the baseline as being something else that isn't quite as difficult. It would still be difficult. But if you really focus and listen to all of the nuances of his playing, it, it, his bass parts are just extremely complicated. And uh, it's 
more about the groove and the percussiveness of the bass than it is about, you know, being some bass shredder. Yeah. yeah. But with that said, he, his parts are far more difficult to play than a bass shredder and, and would be. Uh, I'm guessing probably the same is true of Nick's keyboards. I mean, just looking at his setup, you know, he takes that very seriously. <laughs> like, and, and, and Simon's vocals, um, you know, no one can sound like Simon, but, <laughs> but yet his vocals, he, I, you know, I never can, I've never heard him just phone it in. Right. Like he, mm-hmm. he really gives it everything. Um, and uh, yeah. So, all right. So um, we're getting towards the end of the discussion. So I, I want to do a wrap up. Um, so I'm going to ask everybody what, um, first of all, what the, you feel the legacy of, of Duran Duran is um, because they're not done. <laughs> they're, they're still out there making new music and, uh, and probably going to be touring soon. Um and uh, so, yeah, the, who knows what, what else in st- we have, they have in store for us. But uh, also, if there's something about Duran Duran that either we haven't mentioned or that you want to bring people's attention to that people should either listen to or watch or something, um, yeah, mention that as well. So, um, Michelle, we're going to start with you, um, especially because I'm curious to know what what the le- their legacy is and whether or not pros and cons, they're they're probable for the rock and roll hall of fame i expected them to be on the ballot this year to be honest um i think they'll be on the ballot this coming year um they have the musical chops they definitely have the commercial success they have the longevity um and they have they're they're part of the whole zeitgeist of the 80s for better or worse they help define it. And you can't talk about 80s pop culture without mentioning them. I, I think they are definitely going to be in. Is there any knock against them getting in that you've heard? Like, I, are they, they do people not take them seriously because they're too poppy or. There's always going to be somebody that says somebody is too pop to this, to that, but uh, not that I'm aware of. Gotcha. Um, anything that you can mention about uh, and that you can bring up about uh, Duran Duran that people should check out? Uh, if you have uh, uh, $900, you can get the book that Neil Gaiman wrote about them. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yep. I, that, I did not know that. But why is that so expensive? Yep. He's seven it's out of print, and I guess he... Make sure that it stays out of print. Um, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I actually read a, a thing about it. He uh, he said it was one of his first jobs. He's a little embarrassed. He took uh. it for the money. <laughs> it was purely a money gig. And he says it was not him at his writing prime. <laughs> and if he could go back and write it with as much passion as he writes just about anything else, he would. So it's him at his low wow. point of writing. And so he's ashamed of it and wow. doesn't want people wow. to read it. Okay, well. It's nothing against the band. It's it's him feeling like he was not he wasn't taking himself. So basically Neil bought all the copies himself so nobody else would have to read it. <laughs> yeah. I see. Wow. Okay. I did not I that is news to me. I did not know that. Good, good information. Um Robin, what about you? What is, what do you feel is their legacy? Uh, well, I was hoping, yeah, I think they'll still go. Uh, there's no stopping them. I don't think that. I think they've still got a lot of life in them. Um, what you're saying, though, about the Hall of Fame, I'm hoping 
again, that would be great if he, they got into the Hall of Fame. The, um, the thing I think may be holding them back when you had asked her about that may be that they're too, um, I guess they're kind of, what, what, what's the best way of saying it? Is they're, they're kind of part of the eighties and they're stuck in the eighties. I think when people think of them, they think of them as an 80s band, but they really are in 90s, 2000. I mean, they've had hits in every decade, and, and really. They've never done but the whole, I think they're just associated with the 80s. They've never done a whole, much. like, we're members of the 80s band tour. Like, they don't do, like, the, they don't participate no. in those. They just go, they just headline tours. No, no, they've always <laughs> been separate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And so I don't know why that is, but I think that does kind of hold them back some. And and maybe that's why the people, you know, powers that be at Hall of Fame have not put them up. And but yeah, they definitely are due. And like you said, if people just realize how many, how much good musicians they really are, I think just because they were just popular and teeny bop, that that kind of holds right. them and back. Silly in their videos and whatnot, right? People think of them. Oh yeah, their videos. Yes, they yes, yes. And now it's just because right, they were right. good looking. Yeah, because they're good looking, yeah, it holds right. them back. Um, what's something that, uh, a song or, or an album or, or sub video of theirs that you think people should check out? Well, like I mentioned before, Liberty, Liberty is one of my very, very favorite CDs of all time and not just of theirs. Uh, but it's a great, check that one out. It's something that, like I said, no one knows, um, but I'm sure it's out there. You can find it. I've got a CD, of course. <laughs> I've got it too. I love CDs still, but, uh. <laughs> You've got it. Yeah. Yep. So you know what I'm talking about, but you're a fan. So that's wonderful. <laughs> so yes. And I do recommend people check that out as well. Uh, Bambi, what about you? What do you, what do you feel is uh Duran Duran's legacy? Um, what do you what, feel what, is what Duran Duran's like, legacy? What was Duran Duran? Oh, legacy. Um, <laughs> I would say greatest hits <laughs> album. That's the one that I, I can't remember. What it is. The singles box set. That's the one well, I listened to. decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of uh bunch of their uh singles, just they're they're pop culture icons at this point. So just listen to the the hits if nothing else. But I think the thing I would highlight is again musically, listen to the intro, if nothing else, of Rio, specifically listening to the drums and bass guitar. And don't listen to it as a pop song, listen to it mm. for musicianship. And it you know, it's a new way to look at it but it's really impressive. Awesome. It's very subtle, tasteful, and complicated. <laughs> the whole song is, but I mean, you can just pick right up at, right at the start of the song. And, uh, and yeah. And uh, so I go. think they have a, a few greatest hits, but you, you recommend checking those out, right? Yeah. The one I'm most familiar with is singles gotcha. box. And I'm looking at the, I, I recognize the image. I saw- that's I saw on, on, on iTunes, they had uh, something called Deep Cuts from Duran Duran. And I was looking at that. I was like, going, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I don't know too many other artists that have like an album called Deep Cuts, a collection of their songs that weren't hits, I guess, but that people should check out. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Ricky, what do, you, what do you feel about Duran Duran and their legacy? Well, unfortunately, I think Duran Duran is going to be remembered more as a pop band than as the serious musicians that I believe they really are. But there's nothing wrong with being a pop band. Um, I think they'll be remembered as both an 80s band and a 90s band just because the wedding album was so big. Um, They obviously revolutionized uh, music videos in the United States 
with their early early videos, if nothing else, just starting with Hungry Like the Wolf and um, Rio, those two videos alone, I think made a lot of American record labels say, uh, guys, I think we need to take this a little more seriously. <laughs> um, so legacy-wise, I think great music videos and just a wonderful pop band from the 80s and 90s, um, even though I think they deserve to be recognized as as brilliant musicians also. Uh, and as far as something that I would recommend to check out, they released a, a videotape along with their Greatest Hits album in 1998. And then it was reissued later on DVD with a lot of Easter eggs. I think it's an awesome DVD that just takes you through not only their music, but also their videos, which to me uh, is, is a big part of what made them such an amazing band. So um, that would be my recommendation. It, it was called Greatest, and it came out in 1998, and the uh, DVD came out in 2004. Mike, what about you? Who? I've never heard of this band. No. Uh, for me, Duran Duran is an amazing band and love them on and off over the last 40 years. There's never been time of hate, but their their songs got overplayed way, way too much on Top 40 radio. And it was getting burnt out of them a little bit over the years, but rediscovering them and falling in love with them all over again and hearing their newer stuff. And, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, ordinary world is one of my favorite songs by them. And it's just an awesome, awesome song. And when I heard it in the movie layer cake, it was just like, Oh, that is just awesome. And for me, you know, I still think, you know, Duran Duran owns, owes their career to MTV. You know, if there was no MTV, I think they would have been more of a flash in a pan than, you know, anything. And, you know, I just think videos made the, they were the pretty boys. They were, but they, like Ricky had said, they're damn good musicians too. And they would have done other things, but I don't think they would have blown up like they did. So I do appreciate them. I do like them a lot. And I loved hearing the stories that Judy and Robin have told me in the past about their exploits at the concerts and things after the concerts <laughs> and such. So, you know, that's for, you know, extra credit stuff. We're not going to talk about <laughs> it here. So, but yeah, it was pretty awesome stuff. And, you know, and I appreciate it. And I loved, you know, showing the videos to William as, as he was growing up and him liking the music and, you know, introducing it to a new generation. It's just, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, Duran Duran and uh, came at a time, I've said this about a lot of things, movies, MTV, it seemed like I was very fortunate to, to come at it, uh, to be born when I was and 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 be um you know experience things like the star wars saga in order <laughs> and uh, uh that it was made and and an mtv right at the right time it hit me like in 1981 when i was a 
you know, like I was hit, I was hitting my preteen years, you know, it was like the perfect time. Um, and Duran Duran hit at the same time. And look, I don't know if, you know, Duran Duran owes a lot to MTV or MTV owns a lot to Duran Duran. I think they both are hand in hand and helped each other. Um, and, um, you know, both, uh, both did very well <laughs> for themselves. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, I think that they are, they should be a no brainer. I mean, obviously when it comes to the rock and roll hall of fame that, uh, that I don't know if, uh, brains to come into it a lot of times, but uh, to me, it's like, they're a first ballot hall of famer. No, no question. Um, uh, like the first time that they're on the ballot, they should be in. Um, and, uh, and I look forward to seeing them inducted, um, you know, probably need Niall Rogers that inducts them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would think so. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Simon, watch it. Simon will have a great speech. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and we know which members of the band will get in, you know, so they'll have to reunite one more time, I think. So that's there. Um, as far as what people should check out, there's so much out there, but I had a lot of fun watching. Um, they had a, I guess in celebration of the 40th anniversary, they had a new documentary that just appeared, I think last year on Showtime called, um, something you should know, or you should know, right. Um, where Duran Duran, that's band, the bandmates actually went back to some of the first places that they played in Birmingham and some of the, like the studios. And they even like all packed themselves into the, their first car that they drove around and toured in and whatever. It was just so much fun seeing these guys relive their history like that and talk about the highs and lows of, of their careers. Um, it was just, just like, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it, it's sort of, sum them up to a T where they are, they're just having fun and they're out there and they're, they're out there for the world to see. And um, I think that just, that's just a, a great way to experience them. So, so I recommend checking that, uh, that documentary out in Showtime. And of course, you know, their new album. So uh, uh, check that out. Check out the new single. Um, I think it's Invisible, or is that is a, they've released some something since then? I think, but um, but yeah. So there's some new tracks on on the new album, and uh, yeah, I hope to. The actual album is uh, October 22nd. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it is. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but they've already released like two tracks from it, I think. So two or three. Yeah. So. Uh, so they've been busy. And uh, so who knows? Maybe we'll do a, you know, 50th or 60th or 70th anniversary special <laughs> regarding Duran Duran in the years to come. So, uh, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for that. And uh, we're going to be right back and we're going to close up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about The Bad Batch Season 1. The Bad Batch Season 1 is all done on Disney+, and they have a second season coming out at some point, which is good, because we were left in a bit of a cliffhanger with a lot of the storylines that they had going on, and the big reveal at the end of the season. I really enjoyed Season 1. It gave us a look at some of the unique characters from Clone Wars, it introduced us to Omega, and we got to see a lot of what went on right after the Empire took over after the Clone War. I also like how they put Fennec into a few of the episodes, since we really did not know much about her in The Mandalorian. And now we have even more questions that will hopefully be answered next season or in the Boba Fett series. 
I will say my only complaint was that it did seem like the show was dragging at first. I know by the second to last episode of the season, I was wondering how they were going to wrap things up. That was before they announced a season two, which did settle the worries that I had since now they have more time to tell their story. I am really intrigued with Omega and really want to know more about her story and where they're taking her with the whole storyline. Are we going to see her in later on Star Wars franchises or will her story end with the next season? Who knows? I know I want to know. I also love the cameos that we got from the Rebels characters. It was great to see Hera and Chopper's backstory and also see a young Kanan. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. So let's go wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for being here tonight. Robin, you made it through your first episode with us. Congratulations. Round of applause. <laughs> you were nervous yesterday when I mentioned about you coming on. I know. Off. I'm like, what? Do what? I've never it, done that. <laughs> I, I've never talked on a, in that before. It's, it's like riding a bike. It's you. From, once you learn, you're never going to you know want to stop. Your new podcast will be starting on the ESO Network. What, next week? <laughs> so it's pretty darn awesome. I'm glad to have you here tonight. And is there anything you want to shout out about or anything you want to say? Yes, actually, and now that you mentioned that, I would like to, yes, give a shout-out and uh, congratulations to Sue, as I know as Tigger, <laughs> and Scott uh, for their uh, wonderful, wonderful wedding that we were a part of yesterday. It was beautiful. It, was, it yeah, really was it, beautiful. It was so emotional <laughs> and so great. So, so I know her, and it's thanks to Duran Duran that um, I met her. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, it was. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was. We were pen pals. I was living in Chattanooga. She was living in Atlanta, and uh, somebody had knew that I was pen pals. Wanted more pen pals that like Duran Duran. They're like, "Oh, you should write to this girl named Robin," and that's how it began. That friendship. Wow. wow. Yep. All thanks to the band. That is very cool. That's very, very cool. See, Duran uh, Duran has some history there. And- oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I've got a lot of other friends. I've got, uh, there's the uh, Facebook group Southern Duranies. A bunch of us get on and talk about stuff, meet up at, at uh, concerts and, you know, just meet up for dinner sometimes and that sort of thing. So that's all fun and stuff. And uh, I have to let them know about this podcast so they can have a listen in and stuff. Awesome. So we'll have seven listeners. That'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank and, but thank you. you thank us. you. I appreciate you inviting me. And it was great to talk to all of you and fellow fans. It's always great to meet others. It was wonderful. And Ricky and Bambi, thank you much for being on the show tonight. Meow, meow. Thank you for having us. Anything you guys need to promote or shout out about? 
Yes, absolutely. There is a Tiki Zombie Kickstarter campaign going on right now. <laughs> there is? I never heard of this. Tell us what? more. <laughs> you need to head over to Kickstarter and help support the Tiki Zombie Kickstarter campaign. I believe you can just go to this Kickstarter website and do a search for Tiki Zombie. Awesome. Uh, now people are really going to think um, you're on my payroll. <laughs> <laughs> Well, aren't they? You know, it's such a vast empire. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. you know, Mike Gordon pays us to be on the show, so it's okay. You know, so it's it's a good thing. You know, but guys, it's always great to talk to you guys. Do you have any performances coming up soon? We do. We're in uh, South, Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina, and South Carolina. No, we're down in Macon. Oh, yeah, we're in Macon. That's right. We'll be in Macon in middle of the month and for all of your texas listeners we're in uh houston in november November. oh wow awesome houston arcade expo the last time we played we played with uh uh clive farrington from the band when in rome oh wow we We were his backing backing band band. nice that is awesome talk about 80s band yeah (laughs) wow That is very, very cool, guys. And, you know, branching out to the Texans, that's pretty cool. (laughs) That's very cool. And I want to see both of you guys, pictures of you guys in Stetsons, of course. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is you say that, I think NASA, because the last time we went, we got to go on tour. That's true. Awesome. It was so awesome. They're visiting planet Houston. Heck, if you drive a little, if you drive a little further south, you'll actually end up to SpaceX too. It's right down there. Oh yeah. Well, we went by one of their offices that's actually in Houston. We just, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't get in there because we were on the NASA tour. <laughs> Darn them. So, well, very cool. It's always great talking to you guys. And of course, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the blog. Thank you for just everything. Thanks for putting up with Mike. It's great. <laughs> thank, yes, thank you, you for that. <laughs> She should be sainted for that. What do you mean? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Well, well, you know, you've been doing some great blogs lately and I've been enjoying your your segment on the show. And thank you as always. Okay. Thank you. It's always uh, especially great when, well, I think uh, the next one will probably have another, be another obituary, I'm afraid. But uh yeah, uh, it's been happening way too much. There's a few of those, so. Yes, yes. Yeah. They're not getting any younger, as they like to say. So. None of us are. Speak for yourself, sir. I uh, speak for all of us. So. <laughs> awesome. And Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Uh, yes, I'm actually going to, uh, <laughs> now that I've, uh, you know, had my paid associate, uh, pitch, uh, the Tiki Zombie <laughs> Kickstarter for me, um, I'm going to, uh, pitch, uh, uh, actually give a shout out to our good old friend, uh, the award-winning Bobby Nash, his, uh, snow books, the snow shorts, which I helped edit, uh, that collection is now available or is going to be available to pre-order uh, the audio version of those. So the verse volume 
audio version will be available on September 7th, uh, but you can pre-order now. Uh, you can do that at Audible, Amazon, um, and some more audio options as well. Uh, but these are, uh, like all the other snow books, these are read by Stuart uh, Goffey. I think we've had him on the show before. And uh, he does a great job, and I can't wait to, to hear them. Uh, and, um, yeah, stay tuned. There's uh, Volume 2 is coming pretty soon of the Snow Shorts. And uh, um, maybe in Volume 3, I, I will actually have uh, something more to talk about. Uh, even more to talk about with that one. But um, in any case, uh, check out the Summer of Snow, the Snow Shorts audios. That is very cool. Very awesome. Bobby does some great stuff with his snow books, and it's just a lot of fun to read. And now you have them in audio. That's even better. Yeah. You, know? you don't have to read. You don't have to read anymore. Just listen. <laughs> or as I like to say, if I ever want to have Judy fall asleep on me, just put on an audio book. She'll be out just like that. It's pretty darn awesome. You know, so it's guaranteed. Uh, quick shout out real quick. Um, been watching um, some amazing new stuff that has been popping up. I brought it, talked about it a little bit last week, but been getting mostly into watching Titans again on HBO Max. And it has been amazing. The season three has, they had, the first three episodes were put out and was a lot of fun to watch and just watch season four. And now they're getting into a lot of stuff about Starfire's origins and, you know, putting some of the Red Hood stuff on hold a little bit. But it's going to be interesting to see where this season goes and very excited for that. And, you know, We'll eventually do an episode talking about like some more of the HBO-type shows and the DC stuff. If you want to listen to Mike and I talk about previous seasons of Titans, the new episode of 42 Cast that Nathan does here on the ESO Network. Why, yes, he does. And, uh, and yeah, we appeared on that to talk all about uh, the previous seasons of Titans. So if you need a refresher or just want to hear Mike and I talk some more. Exactly. You know, if you just need us to be blabbing more in your ears, yeah. we're also on the 42 you know, cast. That'll also put Judy to sleep. So. Exactly. Judy, Judy <laughs> falls asleep just left and right. There's a, there's a reason, you know, in college, you know, Aaron used to call her sleeping Judy, you know, so it's always a good thing. You know, Judy was, is the mad napper. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing with my wife. You know, I'm kind of fond of her, so it's okay. So, with that being said, next week we are going to be talking all about Star Wars. That's right. The Star Wars The Bad Batch just has finished its first season and a great spinoff from The Clone Wars and takes Star Wars mythos even further after, I guess it was Revenge of the Sith. So it just shows, you know, what, you know, the Empire taking over and such. So we got a great crew to talk all about that lined up. And until then, of course, as we like to say, I want to thank everyone for being here. And if you want to talk about, you know, Duran Duran, like we said earlier, please write us feedback at ourstation1.com. But th as always, thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. Please subscribe, and before you also leave feedback for us, leave ratings. We would love to get five stars for you. If you don't leave five stars for us, pretend you did and just put them in anyway. So it's a good thing. 
On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Michelle Borg, and Robin Little, and of course, Ricky and Bambi, thank you for listening to Earth Station One. We'll be back next week. Hug your loved ones. Please get vaccinated and just take it easy. We'll see you soon. Peace. And we are done. Boom. Please, please tell me now. 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 Meeting you with a view to wake you. Face to face in secret places Feel the chill broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.